Congressman Mike Conaway from Texas, the 11th District. Thank you for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thanks, Ken. It's great to be with you, and I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Tell me about your district. It looks like it's a fairly large one in Texas, uh, setting in an area that's not highly populated in the west-central part of the state. What are your major agricultural products there? Well, we've got uh, plenty of uh, elbow room in the 29, district, excuse me, 29 counties that I get to represent. The, uh, the, the uh, principal ag issues are uh, uh, row crops of cotton and, uh, and some milo, uh, obviously cattle, uh, sheep, and goats when we've actually had rain and have uh, grass in the pastures, which has not been the case necessarily the last uh, two or three years. <clears throat> and then um, I would put uh, uh, hunting uh, into agriculture as well uh, because uh, much of the district is in the hill country and, and uh, deer hunting and big game hunting is a, is a is a real piece of the of the economy for those local counties and I would put that in agriculture use as well. How about the number of people in your district who are on a food and nutrition program? Is it lower than the national average? You know, I I don't have a, spe- a specific statistic on <clears throat> how many folks are on the uh, uh, on the SNAP program. Um given that the, at least in the the three large uh, cities, Bendel, Odessa, and San Angelo, with the unemployment rates as low as they are and in the, in the overall prosperity that's being experienced and enjoyed, quite frankly, uh, I would expect it would be at or below the, the national average. Congressman, we're recording this on Thursday, the 21st of November, and the leaders of the conference committee are reported to have had a meeting last night and again today. Um, there are all kinds of concerns that they say are still there. And uh, word is that you and Chairman Lucas are in some agreement, but some disagreement. And the biggest one appears to be that he thinks he can finish it this week, and you don't. Well, um, uh, I hope that uh, he's right and I'm wrong, quite frankly. Uh, But uh, getting it finished uh, sooner rather than later is obviously in everybody's best interest. Um, I know that that at these stages in, in typical conference uh, work that uh, uh, it ebbs and flows on on uh, how confident folks and, and I'm not just talking about the farm bill, but all conference reports of any contention that uh, you know the emotions ebb and flow, and that uh, at any one point in time you can feel better about something than than others. But I know the chairman and I are in in uh, in, in total lockstep on getting this thing done uh, sooner rather than later. Let me go through a few areas of the bill just to see where you're coming from. One of them is, is food and nutrition, which was supposed sure. to be the toughest title of this bill. May or may Still not is. be. Um, is the issue dollars or is it philosophy? Well, uh, it's philosophy, <clears throat> and actually it reforms. Um, some of my colleagues may focus on the differential between the House version with 40 and the, and the Senate version at 4, but uh, as you and I both know, Ken, that number is a, is a scientific wild guess that CBO comes up with. has has no basis necessarily in reality. Ten years from now, you won't think back to to check to see if that number was actually achieved uh, but it's important because that's how we craft our policies we pick it they pick a number and we try to squeeze good policy into it so the focus ought to be though <clears throat> on the reforms that we're able to initiate and uh, I'm hoping my colleagues will look at it more that terms than necessarily the the, the CBO guesses as to what uh, you know what might uh, not be spent over the next 10 years so it's uh, it's really the policy get that right that has long-term benefits long legs to it and uh, at the end of the day, is better for America than, than focusing on a number that, that may or may not happen. And quite frankly, if it doesn't happen 10 years from now, uh, nobody gets in trouble for that. So uh, it's about the policy, and, and I'm hopeful our team uh, can focus more on that than just the, the raw numbers. Over to the agricultural side, the um, adjusted gross income 
of farmers, especially at the higher levels, has been criticized if they are receiving some type of government benefits. Some are even saying that they are no different than those people who are on the food and nutrition program. They're both getting money from the government. Are you uh, looking at the AGI and its linkage to payment limits, and do you think that might be a part of this bill for those people at the highest level of income to receive a lesser amount of payment from government? Well, of course, the the uh, AGI is already attached to the the, the uh, uh, payment limits and direct payments and everything else, so that's already in place, and it's just a matter of where you put that number. I think the bigger controversy, and the one that you may be making reference to, is the new initiative, the new effort to try to attach payment limits, or uh, excuse me, uh, insurance limits or, or RMA benefits uh, to some sort of RG, AIG AGI number. And uh, in my view, <clears throat> that's wrong-headed. Uh, having an income support policy, which much of the uh, much of the farm uh, safety net is, uh, yeah, having payment limits there makes some sense. But on a risk management tool, which is what crop insurance is, uh, there's two things about the AGI. One, I don't know that that's necessarily how you ought to evaluate risk management tools and who they should be available to and who they should not be available to. And two, um, there is um, – immense pressure right now on the Ways and Means Committee to bring forth a, uh, a full rewrite of the Internal Revenue Code. And so no one can look me in the eye today and tell me what AGI will be over the next five years. And yet we're going to tag a, a risk management tool to some concept of AGI, and, and you or no one else can tell me what that might be. I know that on overall statement, the Ways and Means Committee wants to lower rates and, and, and spread the base, eliminate deductions and credits, which means people will have higher AGIs. And so uh, uh, I think attaching AGI to the risk management tool or, or crop insurance uh, is wrongheaded. Congressman Conaway, turning to another area, and that is the permanent farm law, uh, how do you feel about it being there and being what's left if you don't pass a farm bill? Well, I, I've got I wear two hats. The old, the old adage that all um, uh, politics is local. If I <clears throat> put my non-leadership hat on, then uh, it is hard to justify that permanent law should be uh, the law of the land. In other words, in order to say that the 49 or the 38, 38 Act ought to be what is in permanent place, you'd have to look at the people in the eye and say, look, but for whatever weird circumstances are going on right this second. We really ought to be under that permanent law. That should be the normal law of the land, and we've got some weird circumstances occurring right now that means we ought to be on something else. We cannot make that argument with a straight face. Taking that broad hat off and putting my leadership hat on, it's great to have that sort of Damocles hanging over the process to try to make it get done, to try to get it done, because we do have hard decisions that have to get done, and uh, and that sort of Damocles has been used in the past to uh, uh, to get the process done. So I can... You know, the lawyer thing, I can argue both sides of it, but at the end of the day, I think that if we can get this law done and done correctly for today and is into the future, then that ought to be what permanent law is. And it's hard to argue that the, the 49 Act and the 38 Act ought to be implemented as they currently stand uh, and would be implemented, except we've got some unusual circumstance going on right now that says not to do that. If we look forward here uh, to what this bill could be or what some want in especially the House, there is an effort to be able to split the food portion from the farm portion of this bill to make it to where that one comes up on one cycle and one comes up on another cycle. That's never been done as of yet. Do you see well, any Well, it's done partially in the, in the House this year. I didn't mean to step on your can, but we actually split the bill 
in the House to get this passed this year. True. Uh, okay, I'll back up. It's it's yeah. never become a law yet. <laughs> exactly. It got the president's desk on two separate packages. You're absolutely correct. But do you think that as an agriculturalist, you have to hold this together to have any clout in the future? Or as a person who favors the food program, you have to hold this together to have any clout in the future, or the two can stand independently? Well, um, uh, obviously, uh, to get this summer, we had to split them in order to get enough votes in the House uh, to make it t- to pass it, but that was all Republican votes. Uh, a conference report will be a little different circumstance, and typical conference reports have uh, good good size uh, numbers off of both parties or vote for it, and, uh, and so that creates a little, di- little different circumstance. Uh, answering directly the question, uh, I want a safety net for, for production agriculture, and we've used this mechanism in the past to make that happen. Uh, everything changes. Uh, circumstances get become different, and, and so I know that our current bill would set up a bifurcated um, or a staggered uh, reauthorization date so that the food stamp program would be authorized for three years and the, and the production agriculture safety net would be reauthorized for five. So you would build into the system that natu- under the House bill that natural splitting of these two so that they would, in effect, stand on their own uh, or fail on their own. And, uh, and so that, that's, that's the way the House wants to go with this, with this issue. And then certainly uh, folks back home who are really directly related to whether or not the Farm Bill passes or not, just this whole idea of combining these two doesn't make a lot of sense. There's enough difference between what, what they each do that, uh, you know, constituents back home prefer Congress uh, do things on a more rifle shot basis as opposed to, uh, what's the old phrase, log rolling or whatever it is, when you put these two together to get the, the number of votes necessary to make it pass. But a long-winded answer, Ken, to say uh, we're, we're going to get it done one way or the other, and if we go with the House version, we will set up for the next round a split between these two. To wrap this up, compromise seems like it's got to enter in here somewhere. But at the same time, all of you in the House are up for re-election, and if you move off of your position that you've had in the past, either liberal or conservative, it appears to me you've created problems for yourselves back in your primary election. So do you think compromise will really happen on this farm bill? Well, it always has happened. It's always happened in the past. Uh, and every farm bill in the past has had that exact same scenario where all members of the House were up for election. Uh, I'm hopeful that, that myself included, that we, we, we tend to spend less time worrying about whether or not we get a primary or whether or not we get a general, part, you know, all those kind of things. And, and these things that have to get to the president's desk, that we, we take the view as what's best for, uh, you know, for the district and the country and, uh, uh, and not necessarily re-election. Now, the stuff that never gets to the president's desk, we do an awful lot of that you know, theater and, and uh, positioning, all that kind of stuff. But this is one of those rare instances where this bill will – by need to get to the president, having it signed, it become it become into law. Uh, I hope my colleagues watch the fact that uh, this will be our first opportunity to have a meaningful uh, reform on uh, on the SNAP program and the nutrition program since uh, you know the ni- mid 90s when it was uh, uh, welfare reform that occurred. And uh, there's a lot to be said for that to uh, to take what you can and put that in the bank, and then know that the the next round of negotiation will start at that new base, and you can move forward. So. Compromise should never be a dirty word necessarily. There, there are certain core values, of course, that uh, that we don't compromise on, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about amounts, and amount is just a tactic. It's not the you know the, our strategy is to reduce spending uh, on the overall farm program, including the SNAP program, and we are doing that on our bill. Uh, how much is a tactic, and, and hopefully wisdom and judgment can be used to to help people understand that uh, we're we're going to wind up getting as to, as good a quote unquote deal as we can. 
and then uh, put that one in the bank and, and uh, be ready for the next negotiation when this thing uh, comes around again. Congressman Conaway, thank you very much for your comments and for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thanks, Ken. Great to be on the program, and uh, I appreciate it. Thank you.